Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to On The Bad Bar Podcast. This is episode 47 with Ryan Christiansen from Bar Hill Gin. We discuss Ryan's journey from a brewmaster into a master distiller and how he turns raw honey into an award-winning gin at Bar Hill. So this is a great episode and I hope you all enjoy. Just a few updates from me. The intro is now a lot shorter so you guys can skim through that. And also, you can now head over to our Facebook, where I've created a new network called the Beverage Network. It's a Facebook group, and I'd love to invite all of you to join. You can find the link in the show notes. And this is going to be a community where we can all share knowledge, information, and just tips to help our industry grow. Thank you once again all for listening. Please love, share, subscribe, and I hope to talk to you all very soon. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On The Bat Bar Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Christopher Manning, and today we have a, a special guest. His name is Ryan, but Ryan comes from Bar Hill Gin, and we're really, uh, you know, quite happy to have him here today because I think he's got an, quite an exciting story to share. Um, Ryan, how's life going? How's everything been? Uh, Chris, thanks for having me here. Um, you know, th- things are, are good, you know, it's it's a strange time, you know, the, the word good may have a new meaning, but, you know, it's, it's just... Um, it's all the right blends of chaos, excitement, entrepreneurial opportunity, and um, while trying to keep everyone safe and healthy. So um, it's a time that we have not experienced, but uh, but the the gin family up here in Vermont's doing pretty well. Oh, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, it's I mean it's, it's been a very difficult time for everyone. I think, especially in the beverage trade, um, we're still suffering over here in Thailand. Um, but I think things are back to normal for you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's still different. You know, we 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 just started taking masks off, and you know, people are starting to gather. Um, there's been a tremendous, um, you know, rush from the customers to get into the restaurant scene, and you know, here in the distillery, we we have a, you know, we have a whole front of house operation with a just incredible cocktail program, and you know, we really try to bring people in and show them, you know, the honey, the silo, all the way down to the cocktail itself, and try to make sure they understand every part between and. It's hard to do that with the door locked, you know, but once we opened up that door, you know, folks are rushing in and, you know, the team is just trying to keep up, you know, it's an amazing demand. I think we're seeing this worldwide, you know, restaurants are just, um, it's hard to find people that want to work in the restaurant space and customers miss restaurants so much. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, so Ryan, you're, you're basically the master's sir at Bar Hill Gin. Um, it's also, I mean, it's one of the most awarded gins in, in America right now as well, right? That's quite an impressive accolade to have. Yeah, we're, we're, we're super proud. You know, we've, we've, um, we've, we've just done a tremendous amount of work and education with, with the materials that we're working with, you know, largely, you know, raw honey and just understanding that raw honey. And, um, you know, we make gin that we're incredibly excited to share with the world. And, you know, when you, when you get a medal, you, you, you celebrate it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that, that outside validation that this work is, is, is as rewarding for somebody else as it is for us. And that, that always feels great. Mm, 
Definitely. Well, let's hear about it, man. Let's hear about your story and, and the origins of Bar Hill Gin and, and how you got involved into it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we were founded by a beekeeper, a guy named Todd Hardy. He's a lifelong beekeeper. He's been keeping bees since he was about 12 years old. And, um, you know, slowly over time, his his beekeeping hobby became um, a commercial beekeeping operation. And um, Todd is just, just passionate about agriculture and the health of the hives and, um, you know, bees impact on food systems and, and how do we support the bees? And, you know, throughout Todd's journey, you know, eventually that led to winemaking and then um, eventually he was, um, he wanted to start a distillery. Um, I'm a beer brewer by background before, um, before becoming a distiller. And um, I actually used to own a very small little home brewing store where, you know, I was doing a lot of customer education, brewing demonstrations, and, and while writing a business plan to open up my commercial brewery. And I met Todd and I was just blown away by his, his love for the bees. He calls them the angels of agriculture. And, you know, he's just got this affinity for these, these fuzzy little creatures that, you know, they just carry this like negative stigma of like, you know, you're going to be stung by a bee. Well, in reality, bees are incredibly gentle creatures that, you know, pollinate you know, our very food system. And, you know, we depend on them, you know, every single day and we take it for granted. So I just, I just loved Todd's enthusiasm and passion and said, man, this would be great to just, just, just really work closer to the raw materials, you know, actually partnering with a farmer. And, um, but I had to learn a lot about distillation and, um, but that was, that was an exciting journey to, to step foot into. And Todd had a lot of, a lot of faith and trust in me and, um, as did I with, with, with Todd. And, uh, we just, we got started and, you know, Todd, um, in the early days, I mean, you, you couldn't keep the guy out of market. You know, he would, he had a, a 1995 mercury tracer station wagon and we would just pack this thing to the gills with raw honey and gin. And he would, he would just head out. And I had a 15 gallon, you know, tiny little 15 gallon direct fire still. I'd, I'd run a batch. I'd literally pick the thing up, dump it out, clean it out. And, and start the batch up, you know, again, it was just a small still producing just a few cases at a time. And Todd would just be out in market saying, Ryan, they love the gin. You, you got to keep it running. And, you know, went from one distillation per day to, you know, one distillation, I mean, one distillation per week, rather, to, to every day, to two times a day, to three runs a day. And, you know, eventually it's just, you know, we're going to need trucks and a bigger still here to, to, to keep this thing going. And, and the journey just kind of continues today. It's just been that level of enthusiasm behind the product, the brand, and the people making it. What was uh, what was the transition like from beer to gin? The distillation, um, the whole procedure must be completely different, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had so much to learn about distillation. It was a little daunting. Um, but to be honest, as I started to kind of peel back the layers, you know, the distillation was not that hard to learn, particularly because I had such a small still. You know, it was really, it was okay to make mistakes, which was you know, a great learning opportunity. We scaled up, obviously, we have bigger equipment today. Um, but a lot of what goes wrong in the distillery happens at fermentation. And, you know, I'd spent my whole career really studying, you know, my job as a homebrew store owner was to understand every yeast strain, you know, so I, I, I went very wide and really, you know, push the limits um, on a weekly basis, just just so that I could, you know, be a good consultant to my customers. And, uh, so I came in with a, with, with a high level of confidence in, in, in my ability to ferment things. It was just a matter of that next set of variables, which is how do you extract that alcohol using the still? 
And, and quite honestly, I think many of the startup distillers, they jump in and they say, I need to learn about distillation. But if you don't really understand what's happening and all the steps before that, you know, bad fermentation will not make good distillate. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I felt like we had a, a little bit of an upper hand there because the learning curve was, was smaller on some of the things that I think are actually significantly more important. And that let us really focus on understanding the mechanics of the still. Um, and that, that was undoubtedly a journey. Um, but, you know, I, I, I grew up in a small town hardware store. So, you know, a lot of our, our journey in distillation, we didn't buy the big fancy, you know, piece of equipment. We, we built it ourselves. And, you know, it was very much build it, assemble it, fire it up, what went wrong, take it apart, fix it. And, you know, it was sort of this like guess and check trial by error, you know, oops, that didn't work. Hey, that's a success. And then really try to understand, you know, why and how that journey really took us down this path of real appreciation for what we're doing and uh, real love for distillation. Yeah, completely get it. So with Caledonia Spirits, there's currently three SQUs, right? The the old ton, the vodka and the gin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we, we're, we're, we're really, we call ourselves a gin family. We make vodka as well, but we're really focused on, on, on gin. You know, vodka uh, in our production space works uh, really wonderfully in partnership um, because our vodka is made from 100% fermented raw honey. There's no grain, there's no potatoes. Um, that allows us to use a massive amount of honey. There's a lot of product variation in what comes out of the hive, you know, so we, we get, you know, early, you know, year, you know, the honey that comes off early, you know, in the year is, is you know, maybe more, more influenced by clover, maybe lighter flavors, you know, and then you get stuff later in the summer, you know, goldenrod, you know, those sort of things and, you know, deep, big, deep, bold flavors. And with our gin production, we're trying to control that a bit. But with our vodka production, we're trying to sort of celebrate the differences, right? Vodka is flavorless, odorless, neutral. Um, you know, so of course, you know, by by um, by celebrating the the variation of what comes out of the high, we actually get an opportunity to add a little bit of character to vodka, which you know I think vodka as a category can appreciate. I think for a lot of people, they're probably wondering how does honey turn into gin and vodka? How does that production happen? You know, I'd, I'd really like to learn about sort of. Um, the production lifeline i mean i guess you have um so much uh integrated and so much a part of the bee life cycle and you know how does the honey then transfer to the production and how does it become this amazing product yeah and you know honey it, it's it's really important to distinguish honey versus raw honey you know we're using honey right out of the hive we're never applying heat and that's crucial you know that the the reality honey is undoubtedly a sugar source right it's a sweetener um but it's loaded with botanicals, right? There's just this amazing array of flavors that come from the, the, the hive. You know, and ultimately what are bees doing? They're, they're gathering nectar from flowers, right? So there's this floral component that travels with honey and most of the world's honey producers, unfortunately, they, 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 they kind of screw that up, right? They, they heat it, they filter it. They basically strip it of all the character, um, you know, because it's easier that way, right? It's easier to fill the jars and, and you know, stabilize the product and all that but honey has a natural filtration process it's actually very shelf stable just the way it came out of the hive it naturally pushes all that pollen propolis beeswax you know any sort of impurities that come with the honey naturally get pushed to the top so it's actually a very clean product um, but those trace botanicals stay suspended throughout the honey so as long as we as distillers don't mess that up 
we get to bring that to life in the gin. And that's, that's really our, our, our goal, which means, you know, how do we move this? How do we transport it? How do we work with it? But uh, we see the hive is really a tool, right? Like the still is a tool maceration. You know, we have tools for maceration, which, which are tools in the distillery. The hive is a tool for us to extract botanical essences, you know, ultimately from nature, thanks to the bees. But there's a tremendous amount of mystery left in that process. You know, it's just, what am I tasting? What do I think I'm tasting? It's really hard to validate that. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, hints of cherry blossom right now. You think the bees reflecting nectar from, from cherry trees? You know, hard to be definitive with that. Um, but if that can come through, in the gin, that could be a real success as long as you can repeat it. And so, this, so those, those are some more of the challenges that we face. Um, but that's the exciting part, right? Like our, our gin is incredibly juniper forward. We're going in with a big, bold, resinous burst of juniper. Uh, we really want to lead with something that's that's going to get along with tonic, going to really shine in, in gin cocktails. Um, but, you know, again, I'm back, back to my beer brewer days, but, you know, it's that that big piney burst you get from hops, you know, you can balance that with malt. And we take those same principles into the distillery, but we're using honey as, you know, the, the, the sugar that comes along with it and that creamy body that comes along with it is a great balancing act for that resinous juniper. And then it delivers this botanical burst that is, you know, really what sort of adds the complexity to the gin, which um, is really kind of the, you know, the secret sauce, if you will. Got it. I completely understand. Um, and I guess it's almost like uh, the wine term of terroir, right? Like every bee, every hive must have its own terroir sense and, and flavor combinations, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of the, like, it's, it's the ultimate terroir. You know, this is, the, the, the bees are going out, you know, hundreds of thousands of bees are going out around the entire region where we live and collecting pollen and nectar you know from nature i mean it's 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 a literal kind of sampling of the region and then they bring it back to the hive and process it into delicious golden creamy honey and you know it, it's really an it, it's an amazing gathering and it's something that people can't do right it's just it's we, we depend on these bees to do this work and and you know and they're not collecting honey for us they're collecting honey for their own survival so you know there's there's a real balancing act here in you know, getting enough honey for us to produce our products, making sure the health of the hive is in, in, in a good place and ultimately the bees are supported, which you know, this is a bit of the evolution of the company, but as we grow and as we become a bigger company, we say, what, what is our impact? You know, our, our existence here in Montpelier, Vermont, you know, why are we here? And, and you know, distillation is, is you know, obviously we're doing it for the purpose of producing gin. Gin ultimately lands in the hands of a bartender hopefully makes the cocktail that inspires great conversation. And if we can facilitate that conversation to come back to support the hive, you know, that makes the gin taste better, right? As long as we can, we can support these bees and make sure that our, our food systems are intact, environmentally we're sound, you know, the community's healthy. Um, I think gin plays a big role in that. And I think distillers play a big role in that. Yeah, completely get it. So let's talk about the bees. How many bees are we talking? Lots and lots of bees. You know, we, we work with two <laughs> yeah. family family farms that have uh, you know tremendous amount of hives. You know, these these are commercial operations, um, and our that that's where our our product supply comes from, commercial beekeepers, and a lot of our our um, 
brand's activation to support the bees goes far beyond commercial beekeeping. You know, native pollinators, you know, moths, butterflies, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of pollinators that, that don't get the credit. But, um, you know, we see this as, as, um, as both sides are equally important. Mm, get it, I get it. So, I mean, as a new distiller and someone who's obviously had great success in, in a short time, um, I'd love to hear more about maybe some of the challenges that you faced and uh, maybe some of the, uh, you know, hurdles that you would not have expected to to happen within this position. Because I believe that a lot of the listeners we have are in, in very different um, roles in the beverage industry. And there are some that may be interested in distilling one day. So I think actually having your insight who, you know, someone who's in this position now, and, and like what, like, again, you, you have done very well, man, and I'm, I'm really impressed, but it'd be really good to hear your insights of that journey when you first started to, to get into where you are now and what you'd recommend for people who'd want to maybe go into a similar career. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously we're here in the U S and, and, you know, there's a three tier system, you know, so the, the distance between the person drinking the products you're distilling is great. You know, it's, 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 we, we, we sell our products to a distributor, who sells the products to a store or a restaurant. And then finally, you know, somebody's able to taste the gym and, you know, our love for bees, our love for agriculture, you know, those sort of community connections that are just like vital, you know, it's the pillars that we, we sort of built a business on that might not come through all those layers of commerce. And, um, you know, so I, I, you know, the lessons learned, you know, going into this, I, I thought I'd be spending more time, you know, right next to the still, but you, you've got to get out there in the market. You've got to, you know, jumpstart the conversation. You've got to, you know, interact with folks and make sure that they understand what's so special about that product. Um, and sometimes they need to hear that right from the distiller or, or better yet, open your doors and bring the folks in. But, you know, ne- never did I realize, you know, my, my brewery business model that I, I thought I'd someday operate was, was more of a brew pub model, right? Pour the beer, enjoy the beer, you know, really connect with people. And now we're 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 looking at a, a global spirits industry that's that's built in these sort of you know old you know post prohibition rules of of three tier system and and that's fine you know but learning how to navigate that is a real learning curve. So how long has Caledonia Spirits been running for? Uh, we've been bringing spirits to market for almost ten years, um, but of course you know we started you know Vermont is a very small state. Um, you know, so we started here in Vermont. Eventually, we went to Boston in the Massachusetts area, and um, you know, soon after New York. And then we've kind of been running down the coast and, and doing a little bit of business in Montreal, you know, which is which is close to us. But it's been kind of this slow progression down the East Coast, and and you know now we're we're distributed to thirty three U.S. states now, and we do a little bit of export, um, not not a lot, but a little bit of kind of specialty export with some some fun folks around the world. If you ever want to come to Asia, let me know. <laughs> I'd be interested to try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, uh, maybe with a back package in. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Uh, well, once things are back open again, <laughs> I'd love that. So, I mean, let's talk about the products. I think um, the audience will probably really want to learn more. Um, so what does it taste like for the gin? Like, do you get the expression of the honey come through in the spirit? Yeah, I, I, I hope folks do. You know, I certainly do. You know, I, I think we're, we're striving for balance. 
Um, but you know, like, like I said before, we, we are really leaning in on Juniper. You know, I, I, I don't fear Juniper. I love the, the sticky resinous quality of Juniper. I just think it needs to be balanced and, and honey's, honey's a great balancing act for it. So, you know, we, we never want folks to taste Bar Hill and say, all I'm getting is honey. You know, we really want to get a full experience and it's, it's big burst of Juniper really nice balance and then there there should be this floral burst that's really going to let you know these bees have been active you know it's 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 and it's hard to describe the floral characteristics i've had you know master distillers and 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 chefs and you know rooms of people with really good palates just you know get into violent debates over what is in this gin you know in blind tastings you know i i know i can say citrus in there and you know these sort of like arguments of of you know, very confident people telling you what is in the, the, the basket. And, you know, it's, it's fun to listen to those dialogues because we know it's, it's just the work of the bees. And um, so that, that's, that's always interesting. Um, we also make a, a barrel aged um, gin, it's called Tomcat. Uh, we take the very same Bar Hill gin distillate right off the still, um, but then we're, we're barrel aging in brand new American oak barrels for about six to eight months. And um, nice. what, what we're striving for there is something it really kind of hits on the the cues of like bourbon, you know, the brand new American oak really kind of trying to trying to travel to Kentucky a little bit um, while keeping that Northeast flair. So it's, 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 you've got this, this big burst of juniper again, um, but then it meets this, um, you know, that, that deep dense oak, you know, fresh tar from the barrel. And they kind of meet in this like coniferous quality, you know, it really reminds me of like, you know, the cedar forest up here in Vermont and, um, and then, and then, you know, a little bit of honey um, just before bottling. And that, that really brings, you know, again, that nice, that nice balance to that flavor. Oh, pretty man. I can't wait to try it. I really can't. Um, I mean, it looks like such a great product and I think the story is there as well. And, and the care for it along the whole process, you seem to have such a passion for it. Um, I, I guess you, it's quite an exciting job for you, right? To be able to do this every day. It's a dream job. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's been amazing. You know, we never, we really thought we were making gin for a very small community in Hardwick, Vermont. That's where we started. We've, we've since moved the distillery into a bigger space in, in Montpelier, Vermont, just about 28 miles away. Um, but we really thought we were making gin for the neighborhood and, um, and we still are, you know, it's amazing to see our brand. Vermont's a small state, but we've, we've outgrown Tanqueray in the state of Vermont with a number one sold gin in our home state. Wow. And, you know, we're like, you know, Vermonters, they're supporting us and, and they're excited by the journey. And, and, um, it's just, it's just been a fun ride. And, and to, to think that we're still, the excitement's still here in our backyard. And that, that's really the fuel, you know, that's the fuel of the passion is, you know, our neighbors are drinking Bar Hill gin on the weekends and, and they're inviting us over, you know, that's, it's a, it's, it's a small community, but it's a great one. Good. I'd like to talk to you about, um, maybe the wider gin industry as a whole. And uh, we recently had Jean Sebastian from Mason Volver, who, you know, he's a bit of an industry legend. He's been around for a long time, but we, we really discussed this about um, where the gin industry is, is headed right now. And it's almost like this giant bubble that just hasn't really popped yet, but it's almost there. There are so many gins on the market now. And I think a lot of this came around because it's quite an easy product to make. So you had many whiskey distilleries who are, you know, while they're waiting for their whiskey to age, they're making gin on the side. Um, and marketing and branding was a key point to a lot of 
the sales and, and the promotion to it. I think it's great because Jin has had its renaissances back, which is good. But the problem is, the downside is there's been a lot of bad products on the market as well. And I think the general consumer don't generally understand about the the needs for consistency in production and the importance of how every element is it needs to be looked after. What are your thoughts on the gin industry right now and, and maybe those points I brought up? Yeah, no, they're all great points and and you know they they they, they hit hard with me. You know, that the what you're talking about is the gin apology. You know, I, I can't stand it. You know, distillers, you know, anybody wanting to make gin needs to stop apologizing for making gin. You know, I, everybody wants to be in the whiskey business, but gin is great. You know, when you look at cocktail culture, you know, and, and a lot of a lot of what I'm talking about here is very US focused, but you know, before prohibition, after prohibition, during prohibition, it was all about gin. You know, gin was two thirds of the cocktail menu. And and you know, cocktail culture is really built on gin, as far as I'm concerned. Yet Americans still drink eight times more vodka, all because of incredible marketing in the 50s and 60s. You know, vodka leaves you breathless. And you know, this this incredible spin, it's great marketing. Um, but it, it's convinced people that what they want to drink is something without flavor. And the reality is that we want to drink something with flavor and, and nothing against vodka. I love making vodka, particularly because we're working with so much raw honey, um, but we're here for the gin and, and gin deserves no apology attached to it when you're selling it, you know? So all those conversations out in market, like, Hey, our, our, our whiskey will be aged sometime, but until then buy our gin, you know, that's, that's not healthy for the for the whole gin industry. You know, the gin industry needs needs to bring in these amazing flavors that we all have access to, and and I think that's happening. I think that's finally here in the U.S. I think we're finally seeing it. it's moving slower than I thought it would. But um, you know, when Americans are drinking eight times more vodka, that that's if, if that turns right. If you look at you know London, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of appreciation for gin in London. I think we're going to start to see something closer to that in the U.S. And it just takes a little bit of a, a pivot there from vodka to gin. And that's that's going to keep our stills running. So I see it at the bar. You know, the appreciation is there. The bartenders understand it. You know, it's just a matter of continuing to have the right conversation so that folks really understand it better so they can appreciate it. Yeah, you're completely right. And and actually touched on a good point there. So, I mean, you, you make this great product. You you care for it along every single point of the way. But then it's the bartenders that have to tell the consumer and educate the consumer. They're the yeah. sort of the, the guards of the bar, I guess. And, you know, talking from experience as well. But I think you're right. I think um, the mindset of, of alcohol and, and the I guess the stigma of gin is, is changing. But maybe the question here is, what do you recommend for bartenders not just in the states but worldwide who might get your product what are the key points they should be telling their guests to try this gin why should they try this gin yeah well specifically with with bar hill it's it's one it's our connection to bees and understanding bees importance in in all of our food systems right drink something that really makes the world operate better that's an important thing to do you know just like we do with food we care about what's on our plate we care about where it came from we need to put that same thought and attention into what goes into our drink. And, and I think, you know, bartenders, you know, I don't know if, if bartenders truly understand the power and, you know, they are the heart and soul of food and drink. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a powerful position to be in and it's an important one. You know, when you think about the, the simple question of, you know, what would you like to drink? You know, that can easily go down a path of, you know, shoulder shrug, give me whatever you're serving 
or it can go down a path of I want to drink something that that supports a community, you know, treats the environment responsibly, you know, supports agriculture, make sure that farmers have livable wages and they're not, you know, motivated to use things like pesticides, you know, because of the, the financial pressure, you know, so there's just such an important discussion that starts right there at that bar stool that is absolutely facilitated and guided by, by the bartender. And that runs just so far, you know, beyond, you know, the, the, the spirits bottle that's being poured. It goes all the way back to a community somewhere in the world. And, and with Bar Hill, you know, we feel it with our, our community donations program, our connection with our, our, our farmers in the area, our employment. You know, every time a bartender's pouring Bar Hill, you know, Montpelier, Vermont feels that love. And, um, and that's been a really rewarding journey to see us kind of close that loop. You know, when bartenders from around the world come in to, you know, we're on Gin Lane, that's the, the street, fortunately, we named it. We had a hand in any, of course. But, uh, you know, when bartenders, you know, fly into Vermont and come to Gin Lane, you know, we just feel that importance. I think they see our roots, you know, and we really expose them to what we're doing here. And um, I think they go back to market and they tell that story about this place called Vermont. Fantastic, man. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing as a master distiller, you must be trying the gin on a daily basis, but for, for everyone else, how do you recommend to drink it? Well, Bar Hill, you know, just, just the honey influence, um, obviously it makes a great bee's knees. Um, and that, that's become, uh, you know, just a great cocktail for us, you know, gin, honey, lemon, it's, it's simple. It's a classic. It's, you know, the bee's knees, you know, it stands for the best. Um, we've actually, um, a few years ago, launched Bees Knees Week. And, um, you know, where, where, we, um, where we're raising money to support pollinator organizations by leveraging um, the Bees Knees cocktail. So, you know, it's, it's the last week, it's September 24th through October 3rd, the last week of September. Um, but bars and restaurants all over the world, as well as retail stores, um, you know, activate the Bees Knees cocktail. Um, doesn't have to be Bar Hill. It's always great when it is. Um, but we plant 10 square feet of pollinator habitat for every cocktail um, shared on social media. And it's been a tremendous wow, okay. success. You know, we've raised, you know, 70, $80,000 for pollinator organizations to date. And that number is just growing very, very quickly. Um, so anyway, we, we put a lot into the Bees Knees cocktail. Um, Tomcat, the aged product I mentioned, it works incredibly well in whiskey cocktails, you know, swapping out the bourbon or the rye. Um, for the aged gin is a, is a really simple thing to do and, and it's it's really delightful. Good to know. And I'd like to maybe touch on the bees um, because I'm sure many people will know and, and I'm sure you've heard of this yourself that, well, it was a couple of years ago before the whole COVID crisis that, you know, there was a real threat to, to be the bee ecosystem, I guess. And obviously bees are such a, an important, they have such an important role in our life and you know what they do and pollinate the world um you know what can people do more what can we maybe educate ourselves more into protecting bees and, and helping them survive yeah i mean talking about them is the first step you know just making people aware of the importance you know bees aren't going to sting you you know bees bees are going to feed you you know and and you know one third of every bite of food that we eat depends on pollinators you know so like whole foods has done some incredible marketing on this topic but like you know, just think about that grocery store, you know, what it looks like when you go to buy food for your family, how does the grocery store look if you take all the pollinators out of the equation and it doesn't look good. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real threat. It goes far beyond the bees. It goes far beyond, you know, the Bar Hill brand. 
it's 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 a threat to you know humanity you know it's a threat to to all of us and um and that level of awareness you know it's it's coming you know it's growing people are are more and more um aware we're seeing some of the the bigger companies now um prioritize this which is important but people need to just talk about it some of my favorite um events that we've done is is just bringing observation beehives into cocktail bars you know just just bring the hive right into the bar and and wow, you know, really? the the bees are sealed on the inside of course so it's, you know they're not going to you know come out but the um but just letting people see these you know just see them and and they're they're magical creatures they do an amazing amount of work and they're an incredible team you know we can all learn from bees and how efficient they are and how well they work together so they're they're the the, the world's most underappreciated species and i think we need to elevate that i completely agree are there any resources or anything you recommend for people to listen to or, or look into yeah, I mean, some of the organizations we've we've worked with, um, the Bee Cause Project. Um, the, these folks, they've been a partner in in in, in bringing visibility to bees. Um, they, they've been a recipient of some of our 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 work. Um, and then Bee the Change is 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 a group that we're working with right now, who's who's helping us with the pollinator habitat planting. Um, but if you go to beesneesweek.com, you'll you'll see you know the groups that we've worked with in the past and. And a lot of these organizations, you know, they're small organizations that are doing a lot of really good work. But, you know, the more people being aware of this work, um, the better. Brilliant. Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, for the audience, if you look in the show notes, there's going to be links to Bar Hill Gin and Caledonia Spirits so you can learn more. But um, what's the future hold for you, man? What's what have we got planned? What's in store for us? Um, well, we're we're just figuring out what we're doing, to be honest. So we're really excited about it. You know, just last week we had a huge breakthrough in in understanding um, just just more about some of the quality aspects of the raw honey coming into the distillery. So the, the the educational journey for Bar Hill continues on. You know, we're on a mission to just make the gin taste better. And um, and again, that that the mysteries in the distillery, there's not so many that remain. We've kind of figured out our process. But when we go back to that hive. Yeah, you know, the educational journey is just beginning. So, you know, hopefully if folks want to learn more about bees and beekeeping and and, and how it relates to gin, you know, go to barhill.com, you know, come come to Gin Lane, come to Montpelier and um, you know, come visit us. Well, Ryan, I can't wait to join you on that journey of, of education and learning more. And for all the audience as well, please do go check out about Caledonia Spirits and Barhill Gin. Uh, America's most awarded gin and I can't wait to try it one day please 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 send me a bottle or, or I'll come over there to, to try it <laughs> absolutely absolutely we, um, we, we will close that loop good it's been a pleasure to have you on the show man thanks for sharing your story Chris I appreciate it thanks for the time stay safe thank you Thank you once again for Ryan joining me on the show and sharing his story. I can't wait to try his gin. Uh, for all the listeners, thank you once again for following. If you do want to learn more, please look in the show notes and also check out the Facebook group, which I think you will love to be a part of. Uh, yeah, this is all about sharing knowledge and growing together as an industry. So thank you once again. Stay strong, guys, and uh, talk to you on the flip side.